Okay, hello and welcome to the Sensi Lab Creative Eye podcast, episode one. My name's John McCormack. I'm the director of Sensi Lab, and joining me at the console today, I've got Nina Radzic, a former physicist and PhD researcher. Hi, Nina. Hello. And Dr. Patrick Hutchings, a musician and AI researcher here at Sensi Lab. Hey, Pat. G'day. So today's topic is AI art and specifically art made by deep learning techniques such as GANs, which are generative adversarial networks, and also what might be dubbed the auction frenzy that's surrounded them over the last couple of months. So uh, in October 2018, uh, AI art made headlines around the world when a piece of what was dubbed as AI art was sold at auction for $432,500, more than 40 times its estimated value. The work was created by a group of three young Parisians called Obvious, um, and they didn't really have much of a background in art at all. In fact, their backgrounds were more in machine learning, business and economics. And this price is more than 10 times what the average contemporary artwork would fetch at auction by a male artist, and more than 20 times what it would fetch if the artist was a woman. Um, and as uh, one website put it, uh, Obvious was handsomely rewarded for an idea that was neither very original nor very interesting um, because it turned out that they'd relied largely on code written by a 19-year-old open source developer, Robbie Barrett, um, who did not receive credit for the work until after the auction, and nor did he receive any remuneration from the sale. And of course, uh, Robbie himself relied on a lot of open source code that were developed by AI researchers um, who worked with uh, GAN technology that was used to create this work. Um, it was also dubbed as the first ever AI artwork to be sold at auction, which I think to my understanding is not correct because certainly there have been many other pioneering artists over many decades, I'm thinking of people here like the late Harold Cohen, who regularly sold their work um, although they never got the kinds of prices that were fetched by the work sold um, in the recent uh, auction of uh, Obvious's work. So I think this raises some really interesting questions. So Nina, would you pay $432,500 US for this work? Do you well, think it's worth it? I've seen the artwork and I don't think so, no. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why not? Why do, you think, why, why do you think someone was willing to pay that amount of money? Apparently there was a bidding frenzy that went on to get to that price shortly before the auction. Know. Was there some kind of hype like beforehand? Yeah, there was. There was a lot of, um, I think both the, um, the auction house and Obvious, the group, put out a lot of what I think some people might think of as controversial um, posts about how much um, AI was involved in the work. Right. Mm. Yeah, maybe, it, mm, I'm not sure. Maybe it just kind of, there was a lot of hype beforehand. I'm not sure why. I guess this you have particular, to have... but this particular painting was the one that was. Mm. Yeah, I think it was. I think many people thought it was the first, which is, as I've said, I don't mm. think it is really the first of, it, of very much at all. It's certainly the first work, first work of of AI art to um, have that much money paid for it. But mm. beyond that, I'm not sure. I've got to say, the marketing was pretty good, and the website, I can kind of see how that sold it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, they did have backgrounds in marketing and economics yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, but anyone who, I mean, knows a little bit about GAN art, I think as soon as they saw the actual piece, didn't really... I mean, there's a lot of, like, artefacts, like, what do they call it, GAN artefacts or something? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a pretty low-pixel yeah. count image. Yeah. Um, it was also, it's not really a painting, it was a print. 
yeah um it sold it hadn't been like mechanically painted yeah. it was it was a printout of an upscaled mm. version of a low res image that had come out of a gam <laughs> yeah so so i mean do you think that uh it's likely to retain its value is anyone is a museum likely to purchase it in 10 years time for a million dollars or mm. It's hard to tell because it was a pretty big news story. Yeah, um, I think there's a potential maybe. And we know that, yeah, art's but, value doesn't purely come from yeah. its, like, aesthetic qualities. It's also, like, the, the cultural effect that it's had. Yeah. And it did get a lot of news coverage in the mainstream news. That Yeah, you know, and it, it will be known as the first AI art piece sold. So maybe for that reason. And that's probably why it was sold for so, for so much, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it's easy to rewrite history. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, one of the other things that was interesting about this was the uh, the concept of authorship. Um, so, you know, obvious were the artists who made the work and they were the ones who received the money. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, you know, they relied very heavily on code that was written by someone else and the code is the thing that pretty much makes the artwork. There's the training phase, obviously, where they fed in a whole lot of um, portraits um, into the work. Uh, into the into the software and then got the software to generate a new series of portraits of this of which this was just one. Um, so, what do you think? Who should should they be credited as the artists, or should the AI be credited, or should it be Robbie Barrett? Should he get some of the credit, or even um, Solmuth Chintala, who developed the original open source implementation of the DC GANs on which Robbie Barrett's code was based? Who who should get the credit? I think it's I think it's just I think it's a cool kind of like demonstration of the I mean people kind of always talk about this like philosophically like what's who's the author yeah but I kind of think it's a cool demonstration of like how I mean I guess that that's what obvious has done really they they've kind of like manif this whole situation like they can't they they technically are totally like valid to say that they're the ones who created the artwork because I mean yeah it's like the whole line of like open source code right. Mm. I guess it's the intellectual contribution to creating the work. Um, mm. But, you know, in the past, I suppose, artists have always relied on technology that's been made by other people. So, you know, I mean, some artists are very particular about making their own brushes and mixing their own paints, but they're probably mm. in the minority. They rely on a lot of chemistry, chemical technology. If you're a photographer, you don't usually make your own cameras or mm. um, sensors or any of those things. So people have always relied on technology, but I guess maybe what's slightly different about this is that um, it's highly specific to the work itself, right? It's um, it's it's so characteristic. Like Gannart has a certain characteristic that comes from the software, whereas you wouldn't necessarily argue that in the case of photography or painting that you know, photographs have a certain characteristic that comes from the camera, although you know, maybe people would argue that. Um, so what, what do you think? Is it, is, did, was, was Robbie Barrett uh, unjustly not credited or mm. was it too late when they, when they did credit him? Yeah, I mean, as much as I did say that the obvious kind of is the author, I think in this case it's like he spent a lot of time and, you know, money, I guess. Or, you know, I think he was at NVIDIA or something, so mm. he was able to train it, but... It was his like data set that he trained on. I mean, he he collated the data set, so I mean that's a lot of like work that's put in. So I mean, I I feel like he should be the he should take the credit, right? Hmm. Yeah, I I think credit's kind of overrated. Yeah, <laughs> I, like you know, like obvious. I I don't know the names of the actual people in obvious, um, and mm. you know I'm not sure if they're going to continue to be a well known 
group or, or, or name or anything. Um, so, I, yeah, getting credit is, is good, but getting money is also really nice. <laughs> um, you know, I feel, I feel a bit bad for Robbie because, you know, yeah, he's, he's a young guy and he was making open source software. And when you do mm. make something open source, you are putting it out there for people to use. And depending on the type of open source license you're using, you, you are permitting people to use it for commercial works and to make money from it. But he's a young guy who, who did something interesting and then someone else has made a ton of money and, mm. uh, you know. Yeah, that part doesn't really sit well, right? Yeah. Mm. So uh, just recently this week, in fact, uh, Mario Kingerman, who I think most people would agree is, is very widely regarded as a more serious and respected um, artist who works with, with GANs, uh, put up a work, a very different work than the obvious work in the sense that it was a two-screen generative video work that constantly generates new, new portraits all the time. Um, and that was auctioned this week and sold for £32,000 plus buyer's fee, which was pretty much what the um, auction house had listed as the within the price range. Um, and, you know, so, so a couple of websites were a bit dismissive of this and saying that, well, there's no, you know, all the hype that was around the obvious sale hasn't really translated into this more serious work. Why, so why, why do you think that is? What's, I mean, I think we all would agree that Mario's work, Mario certainly is much more dedicated to the, um, to the challenge of creating art with um, adversarial networks and uh, understands the process and puts a lot more originality into what he, what he does. But so why didn't this translate as being a significant or as significant in terms of its monetary value? Hmm. Uh, I think that the, uh, the obvious work did claim that title of you know, first AI work, and whether that's that's true or not, that title has been claimed fairly recently, um, and I, I think it was very much the fact that it was, you know, labelled as being a first kind of work that that really helped it. Um, uh, the other point is that uh, it it is a digital work; it's on screens. Um, yeah as opposed to a more traditional painting or print. Mm-hmm. Yeah, paintings last forever, but screens last for 10 years. So I think, yeah, people are a bit more reluctant to buy works that incorporate technology into their actual presentation because that technology is likely to become obsolete or to break down or to require updating or, or whatever, whereas a painting can just hang on a wall and in the right conditions can do that for, for centuries. Yeah. And no, I think... Mario's been doing this for a long time and, and he's built quite a large following, especially recently. I, I don't see Mario as being a one-hit wonder. I think he's going to keep on doing stuff and, and hopefully continue to have this kind of success um, mm. that you know might not happen to other groups. Mm, but it seems like to me, maybe I'm, I don't know, but the reason that this kind of second auction did happen is because of the first auction. Like, would he have done this naturally? It's almost like I think someone, came, right. someone approached him and was like, do you want to put... You know, you were you're actually like a real AI artist. Do you want to put your work up? And maybe this wouldn't have happened for him without the original one. But then also, yeah, is it just like a bubble? Mm. Will this kind of keep happening in auction, or is it kind of just this like weird moment in time where this is like what's hot and new, but nobody's gonna keep kind of the interest up in it? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think maybe part of it might depend on what comes next in terms of the technological developments rather than the creative developments with it. Yeah. Um, so that so brings me to another point. Why, why is this actually called AI art? Because I don't really see much intelligence 
at least in, on behalf of the machine in this. I would, I think it's much more, would be easier to call it machine learning, uh, but that doesn't have the same sort of ring of authenticity. Oh yeah, it's less it. sexy, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know why AI is used so much like in this field. The, the term AI. Well, it's used because uh, it's that it goes back historically yeah. to the idea of people creating something that is as in or more intelligent than them, and and you know intelligence, particularly in in our society, is seen as something that's um, one of the sort of big commodities that made us what we are today. And um, if you can automate that process. I think it's often seen as uh, one of that sort of major challenges to to humanity in a way, to what it means mm. to be human, to well, have something. We, sorry, when we sorry when we say AI, though, does that is that kind of like that's like a lofty? Nothing we actually use is intelligent. No, so it's kind well, of like a, it's like this. It's a very goal. vacuous and broad yeah. term, um, and I think even the people when they you know at the sort of Dartmouth conference when the term was first sort of brought into the mainstream, people didn't really, or they, what they thought of as intelligence was sort of like solving maths problems or um, just one aspect of human intelligence, which includes, of course, things like emotional intelligence and, um, um, you know, kinesthetic intelligence and all those kinds of things that go into giving us as humans the, the, all the fantastic abilities that we have to, you know, create computers and to write software and to build buildings and form communities and so on. So... Yeah, I think it's it's probably a good marketing term, but really it's you're talking about, you know, stuff like GANs is really just a statistical machine learning technique, but that just as Pat says, it's not as sexy to to say uh machine learning art it wouldn't get anywhere near that amount of money. Also, I think generally anything artificial neural network related these days is referred to as AI. Mm. Um uh John, you might know more about this because you've been working with machine learning for longer, but it feels like post Jeffrey Hinton, Yan LeCun work in artificial neural nets where we suddenly started getting really good at image recognition. Mm. Um, the term AI has been embraced very readily. Yeah, is I... that a shift or has that always been the case with machine learning and AI kind of being conflated? Um, I, well, I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at the history of AI and art, uh, I mean, one of the names I mentioned earlier was Harold Cohen, who I think many people would acknowledge as one of as a person who built a whole career on making art with an AI, but the AI techniques he was using were nowhere, were not neural network, um, and they weren't even related to them at all. He started off with very simple rule-based um, rule-based systems. Um, yeah, but I think you're right. There's been this, as, as everyone knows, there's been this huge um, change in the way that people think about neural networks because they've been around since the 90s, so... Um, connectionism is a is a very old branch of AI, um, but it's only recently with the changes in the way that data's become available, with GPUs being so uh, powerful and so readily accessible to a lot of people, um, that this has become the dominant paradigm in in AI for many people. And certainly, there's good reason for that because it showed incredible results. Um, Nina, you're gonna you're gonna chip in there. Yeah, I was just gonna say, actually, when I started in, I guess, computer science. Oh yeah, even in just like as a developer, hmm. um, in like the data science kind of industry, that's the first time I ever heard anybody actually use the term AI when they were talking about machine learning. So hmm. in like physics, it was just I'd never ever heard anybody, nobody referenced like nobody said that. It was just kind of like yeah, like computer vision was and just deep learning or deep networks, 
that was what was like talked about. Mm. So I thought that was quite interesting when I first kind of moved over and everybody was just, it's, almost, it's very like a, now I think it's a bit of like a marketing thing. Like it's, it's people just find it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody's that interested in machine learning, but I think most of what we do can be classified as machine learning, right? Mm. Sure. So one thing that we haven't talked about is the actual artistic value or artistic um, uh, impetus behind these works. So we talk mm-hmm. a lot about the technical ideas behind them, but, I mean, do they move you as artworks? Are they something that you think has the same perhaps emotional or aesthetic or intellectual impact as a great work of art that you would visit in, a, in an art gallery or see on the street or wherever you experience your art? Hmm. I think some of some of the GAN art definitely has been really interesting to me. Like Why? I mean, but there's, when there's a concept behind it as well, like the, I think, I can't remember the original artist, but I can't remember his name, but he basically, the one that trained a neural network like GAN on images that were like considered not safe for work by the Yahoo like filter. And so basically then it generated these kind of like weird like images that then would pass, would get like rejected by that, um, that filter. Did you see that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was like, and then the images that were created are just like these weird, like amorphous, you know, like fleshy blobs. Mm. <laughs> and I thought that was like, actually, that, I mean, that, was, that happened a while ago, I think like three years ago or something. But like something like that, I don't think it needs to be, you know, obviously didn't probably make any money, but it doesn't need to be put on auction to then, you know, like I think almost the internet's like a really good place to like display this kind of art. And I find it weird, this weird crossover when you're trying to then print it out, put it in a frame and then put it in an auction. Yeah, I guess the, the focus on the sort of very traditional aesthetic value and the kind of use of the frame in an almost a non-ironic way, yeah. whereas the work that you're talking about is much more a sort of political statement yeah. about censorship um, mm. and, and has a sort of strong political connotations, whereas these works are, I mean, uh, they're ideally suited to be sold at auction because they're kind of accessible and comfortable and they're, you know, um, uh, there's something that you could easily have at your home and hang on your wall or what, whatever, mm. whereas, um, you know, perhaps other works that are more complicated technically but perhaps more rich intellectually don't necessarily, you know, fit into that into mm. that mould, even though they are perhaps more interesting mm. as works of art. Um, yeah, so I think that what has been there's definitely interesting stuff that's been done with GANs but it seems like the whatever the media is focusing on is definitely not the most interesting like you know yeah that's, generated portraits that's pretty typical of the media I guess <laughs> I, yeah I, I think it's also one of these things where there's definitely all these choices that are made about which data set you use and if you've created your own data set and how you've trained the network and things but once you've done that you can push a button and have thousands or millions and billions mm. of images come mm. out. Mm. So what's the value of each individual image that comes mm, out then? Exactly, then it's a yeah. curatorial process of deciding which one you yeah. show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing that you do see, especially on, on Twitter and Instagram, is, is people just sharing a lot, a yeah, huge amount. Yeah, they have a lot, yeah. And then it, you kind of get a little bit less excited about it because there is this yeah. kind of GAN aesthetic that, yeah. uh, you know, you can look at a lot of images um, and go, yeah, okay, that looks like it came out of GAN. Um, and there's there's millions of them on, on Twitter and Instagram now. And some of them, yeah, you go, this looks a little bit more interesting to me. I like the aesthetic mm. of this a, a little bit more. But in terms of it being like an emotional, you know, 
artistic artifact that you have some kind of connection with it, it's i think it's, it's pretty hard to form yeah mm. i think it's hard to just choose like one image to then say like this is gan art like i think gan art is the whole process and then the whole kind of concept behind it the data set that you choose and then what's kind of coming out like i don't think that it's you choose one image that was the best kind of representation and that's like the artifact like that's, that's so i guess it's, that's at. what makes maria's work more interesting yeah. right because it's an endlessly generating yeah. new portraits all the time rather than just one single iconographic style and i guess there's there's a lot of you know historically there's a lot of shades of walter benjamin um in all of this stuff there were similar concerns raised with photography because when photography arrived on the scene, you could make hundreds or thousands, if you wanted to, of reproductions mm. of something at the same quality as the original. Um, and this is just sort of an extension of that, even though they're not exact reproductions, they're variations on a theme. Um, so it's not a new question at all. Um, and, and, you know, we've explored a lot of these issues in a, in a recently published paper, and you can probably check some some links that we'll post with this podcast if you, if you want a sort of more deeper... Um, analysis of some of these issues from our perspective. But maybe just to finish off, um, just want to ask, is this the start of something or is it the end of something or where are we in this kind of uh, peak AI art bubble? What do you think? Hmm. I think it's, I don't think that it's the start of anything, to be honest. You think it's just going to fade out? I think AI art as a broad uh, kind of umbrella definitely is going to go somewhere, but I'm not sure about GANs. Hmm. Maybe only if we kind of end up having different types of GANs, different types of like technology. Because I think there's maybe three or something now that people are using. But I think, like, like you know, the signature of GANs is just so particular that it's going to be hard to like create new things that people actually that, like deem as like new, like contributions. So I don't, I don't feel that inspired by it. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, we're at this interesting point at the moment with the technology in that up until now, GANs have been very good at realistic image creation, but not great at it. And it did create this interesting uncanny kind of effect mm. where you got these slightly blurry, blodged out images of people. And it's like, like bad the, JPEGs. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's something that someone like Mario has really embraced and he yeah. kind of, you know, emphasizes some points of that and, and manipulates it. But now... You know, recent work that, that that's come out from like Nvidia and things on 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 Gans, mm. and they're generating these faces that look, yes. you know, almost indistinguishable like that from website. people. This mm. person doesn't exist. Yeah, com. it's you so know. good. So mm. if if we get to the point where it's creating things that look so much like, yeah, you know, what, what it's been trained on, and is 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 it doesn't yeah. have any perceptible difference by people. Maybe it, it kind of it, it loses something there. Yeah, um, like if that's where it's headed, just to be look exactly like a photograph, then I guess yeah. With that said, there's always ways to manipulate it. You can just because it can do, you know, very realistic. There'll be some ways of of, of tweaking it to get mm. something weird out of it. Mm. So yeah, I think I think there's more to to come. Mm. Um, I I don't think you can see a, a big auction for a while though. I think mm. we're, we've we've done with that craze for now. <laughs> Two. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have, as I mentioned, I think to both of you in the past. You know, it does remind me of the fractal art craze um, when fractals first became a thing that people were jumping on the bandwagon, downloading the software, making art with fractals, and presenting it as a sort of next wave of of art, and that very quickly died out. 
But um, I think also the way that these works are presented in a very sort of conservative kind of way, um, mm. looking at just the works that come up for auction is probably not a way to get a real sense of where the, the innovation is. Anyway, we're out of time. So thanks for listening. And um, please join us next week when we'll be covering another topic in creative AI. I think we're going to be talking about music and AI. So please oh, join no, us. Music. <laughs> I won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening. See ya. Bye. Bye.